Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Jeff Robinson. Name of the podcast is Let's Talk About Sex. We're going to continue on with Charlie Parker as the theme because it's his 100th birthday, his centennial, and we have a special, special interview today. We're interviewing his daughter, Kim Parker. Yes, very excited about it. Had a nice, nice time with her. Gonna cut it up into three parts. Have that much material for you. Yes, let's do this. Let's talk about sex. Yes, let's segue right into the first part of this three-part interview with Kim Parker uh, as we uh, continue on and talking about Charlie Parker as he celebrates his 100th birthday this year. Let's just segue way right into it. <laughs> All about them. <laughs> yeah, you, you, there's this one thing. I mean, you, you're, Charlie Parker is your father and Phil Woods is your father. The sound of the saxophone, just in general, must be a very personal sound for you, is it not? It's very, very personal for me. And it's been personal to my son and my grandson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because they would stand in the middle of the room and say, that's Bird. <laughs> when they heard and any saxophone. No, no, no. When they oh, heard Bird. Okay, okay. No, okay. it wasn't. No, no. They had it defined. Right. Down to the very burdenness of it all, you know. That's very burdenous. But, but that, you know, that was because I didn't push it. I didn't play a lot of bird, but it would come on the radio or something mm -hmm. like that, you mm -hmm. know. And they mm -hmm. would stop in their tracks, and they would both point their index fingers in the air, which is, uh, uh, if you saw the Clint Eastwood film, is is a thing that Bird used to do when he was little, and my my grandson was doing it. Oh wow! <laughs> that... I've got a lot of freaky things going on here. <laughs> that had to be a great moment for you when you see them respond to, you know, Bird's music like that. You know. <laughs> well, let me just tell you. So, all right. So I live here in Pennsylvania, and and. Uh, my son and grandkids live in Arlington, Virginia. My oh, son okay. works like four blocks from the White House or something. Mm, wow. No. Okay. But, um, but, so, so they're just, um, oh, so when they went to, when Henry, the eldest, went to preschool, I was just down there visiting for the first time and, um, so I went to school with them and they went to school in the FDIC building. And there was a a, um, a guard, you know, because they mm -hmm. that's what they do now. Okay. And there was a guard, and, uh, <laughs> and he happened to be black. And Henry turned to me beh behind his hand 
And he said, he's no Charlie Parker. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I mean, That's you know, yeah. I, I don't need a scriptwriter. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of scripts, and, and you brought it up earlier, um, um, Clint Eastwood's film about Charlie Parker, uh, that your mother Chan helped him write the script. No, um, no, no, no. no she no, didn't. No. Okay. No. Uh, Joe Oleansky and my mother collaborated on the script okay. years before. Oh. Clint okay. Eastwood got a hold of it. It was oh. from my mother's notes and what she had already written. Oh. So Joel, you know, put it into shape. And, right. and so, it, you know, I guess it's co-written. I don't know. Right. But but the thing is, uh, it was with a different, I think, no, I can't remember which studio it was, but it was before Warner Brothers when the movie, uh, who produced the movie. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but so it was like 10 years before, no, 10 or 20 years before that. I don't even know. It was well, years right. And anyway, they wanted Richard Pryor. <laughs> I, I read about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that was a good cast. Yeah, mom mm. didn't think so either. And, mm. and, uh, you know, it was just, there's been a lot of criticism about the movie and I understand it. Hmm. I have my issues with the movie as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. But at um, least somebody made this sucker, you know. I heard that. I heard that. You know, um, nobody else did it. I heard that. I mean, if everybody had an opinion, why didn't they go make the damn movie? Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. And there's a movie out about Charlie Parker, which is good. And like you said, there's some issues with the movie. I have some issues with it as well. But again, you know, there is a movie out there. So But what were what were your issues? Well, I thought that um I thought they they didn't capture the genius of Charlie Parker in the movie. He yeah. and Charlie Parker was undoubtedly extraordinarily gifted musician and everybody knows that that knows Charlie Parker. But when you come away from you know when when the movie is over, you just all you get is that he was a troubled saxophonist. Um, and that's all that you get if you don't know anything about him. So I, I know it might have been hard to capture it. And I know Clint Eastwood probably had some some difficulties being a Hollywood movie um, and, you know, some restraints. But I didn't, I didn't, you know, it didn't seem like he was a groundbreaker, which he was, a major groundbreaker. Well, did you see that uh, that thing on PBS on Miles? Oh, no, I've heard about it. I haven't had a chance to look oh, at yeah. it. yeah. Well, I mean, talk about a downer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was, I mean, he was, uh, he was, I seemed really troubled to me and, uh, and bitter and, you know, he had a whole lot of stuff going on. The thing I didn't like about the bird film was that Forrest Whitaker was too young for the part. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Bird had, uh, a bit more gravitas than that. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, if, if Bird was, uh, juiced, you know, and, you know, he, he could be an ass. Mm-hmm. Like most people. Mm-hmm. 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 Ass, mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, I mean, that's the way it was. 
you know. I didn't know any different. What did I know? You know? Did you did you ever see Charlie Parker perform when you were young? All the time. Oh. Where'd you where where where'd you see him perform at? Who knows? I read I, I, I read one and I saw one interview and it said you went to Birdland a lot when you were Oh yeah, because they had they had like a soft cushion where if I got tired I could go to sleep. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it was just right uptown, you know, we lived right. in the village. Right, right. So right. a bird let me a bird let me um there's, there's a place, uh, Lower Park Avenue, or, or dividing Upper Park Avenue from Lower Park Avenue mm-hmm. in, in the city. And there's like a tunnel, a, a sort of a serpentine little tunnel that mm-hmm. you had to go through. And Bird would let, <laughs> he would pretend to let me steer the, the Cadillac that we had for a moment, right. uh, steer through that tunnel. Right. And, and it was so great. And then, um, so to be the gig at Birdland, that was wonderful. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and then we drive home via Ninth Avenue, which went downtown, and uh, we'd stop and at this deli because Bird always went to this deli. It was a, a stacked turkey club sandwich, uh, which with Russian dressing, which he called MacArthur dressing. <laughs> And, and, uh, cause MacArthur won the war, you know. Right, right. So anyway, um, yeah, so we had, oh man, we had this big, huge, gushing MacArthur dressing turkey sandwiches. And, uh, you know, so I have memories like that. I have little snatches of memories. Mm-hmm. He sounds like he was just so playful when, you know. Very playful. Yes, he he loved. Um, there was a place uh, on the other corner of Colony Records on Broadway, uh, on the uptown side. Uh, and oh my gosh, I can't remember what it was called. But anyway, they had um, they had like magic tricks and you know snakes coming out of cans and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, Bert loved that stuff. Mm-hmm. And Bert. Bird was um it's a bird i mean bird was uh, from what I have heard and remembered bird bird was very um simple mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. some ways and and he's not a sophisticated man. Mm-hmm. But he had a deep knowledge, and he knew about life, and and that was, you know, that was part of his genius. That was what enabled his genius and got him, you know, to 35 years old. Right, right. But, uh, you know, it's uh, that's a hard-knock hard life, you know. Yeah, he did have a, have a very, very difficult life. How did... Do you remember any any times when you know your mother Chan had to handle him when when times were oh, yeah, tough? Yeah, right at, at, that was right during when I was pushed into a cab to go to my grandmother's house. Oh wow! But what happened for him for you to get pushed in the cab? 
Oh, I don't know. He probably came home like. Oh, I see. Okay, right. And 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 to protect you, they they would just cab you over to your to your if grandma. If possible, yeah, I'd be in the oh. next cab out oh. <laughs> out of downtown. Oh. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Because my Grammy lived on Fifty Second. Right, I read that. I read that. And that was like the hippest thing in the world. It had to have been. So, I mean, everybody had to be coming and visit visit you and visit her or visit you and, and Chan when you guys stayed there. Because 52nd Street was where everything was happening at that time. Yeah, but there was like an empty apartment on the third floor. That's where everybody went. They didn't go to our apartment. Oh, okay. And And what would they do in the empty apartment? Get high. Oh, oh, okay. Oh my, I didn't <laughs> Were you know that. Deaf? <laughs> right, I had no, I, I'd never read that amongst the research. Ever. Well, uh, I mean, it was just like pot, it was like chunky yeah. stuff, you know. Right, right. It was just, you know, between sets. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, they go have to go back and gig. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And my Grammy was so cool. We lived on the, okay, well, there was the entryway. There was a phone booth in the entryway of the apartment. There was a table where all the mail was put. And then beyond that, a, a telephone. And, uh, and beyond that, an apartment. And then we, we lived on the second floor. Uh, and, uh, and then, uh, David Cassidy's father, uh, I forget his first name, is that's terrible. Uh, anyway, he lived on the third floor, and there, mm. was, there were two apartments. On the, there was one apartment on the ground floor, two apartments on the second floor, and two, I think, two apartments on the third floor. Wow. And it was reputed to be a John Jacob Astor built building, mm-hmm. and they raised it, get this, they raised it to build uh, Jared Kushner and his father's building, 666 Fifth Avenue. Wow. So that was like the sight of the devil right, right. there. Right. And, uh, you know, tore down jazz. Mm. I jazz wasn't happening then, but, yeah. You know. Right, right. Anyway, so, um, yeah, just all these crazy little interconnections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to just be anywhere, you know, near 52nd Street, um, when, when Bebop was really, you know, in its heyday, um, you know, you're right in the middle of the mix, you know, you're right in the middle of Well, it was my street, you know. Mm-hmm. It was my mother's street, it was my grandmother's street, and it was my street. Right, right. So I was just like, and, you know, and a whole long line of street people, you know, and, and, um, no, it was great. It was great because I have a very long memory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My memory goes back to when I was two years old. Oh, wow. Now that's incredible. It is incredible because I can't remember what I said yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just a factor of age. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, but it's the truth. I can't remember anything. I'm like a, 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 a lummox. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, I knew everybody. Everybody knew me. Mm-hmm. And I would go out at night after dark. My fake, uh, my fake godfather was the doorman at the 21 Club. Mm-hmm. It was like three or four da- doors down from right. where we lived. Right. And, and then, uh, Pinkus, the doorman, worked the entire block. He was the doorman for every single club on the street. And he was like about four foot nine and in a, in a, uh, uh, I mean, a, in a uniform. Yeah, I've seen pictures of him. Yeah. 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 You know what? I ran into him. It's crossing the street on 57th Street uh, by Carnegie Hall, and we met in the middle of the street. And I said, Pinkus! <laughs> and he looked at me, he paused. And I said, It's Kim! He went, Oh my <laughs> So I got a terrible notice like a couple of years later. I got hit by a car. Mm. And that was this whole thing was to run out between cars and try to get everybody into the clubs, you know. Mm, mm, mm. And and uh, and he worked the whole block. He was everybody's doorman. Wow. Mm. So he had his eye on me, you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in the daytime, I well, my Grammy worked late, and I I was sort of overwatched by an uncle sometimes, and and so I would I would just leave the apartment and I'd go out and. We lived across the street from the Esso building, which was like the connector to Rockefeller Center's skating rink. Mm-hmm. So we lived right mm-hmm. there. So I knew that territory. But w- one day I went and I discovered that those t- there's, there are tunnels under New York City with high-end shops and things. And so I would just follow these tunnels. And and uh, and when I got tired, I'd go I'd go up to the street level. I'd find a cop, and I'd say I'm lost. And he'd take me home. And he'd take you home. <laughs> that was pretty clever of you. I had it all figured yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people don't know. Well, some people do. That you are a great singer. I mean, out of all this music and jazz that you were exposed to from from birth, you you have a wonderful voice, Kim. I've been looking, I mean, listening to it, and you know, right before we started this podcast, and it's it's you you have a wonderful voice. I mean, you should continue to sing. Have that you thought about it? So kind of you. No, that's the truth. You have a great voice. That you is should, so kind of you, really. You should sing. I'm going to make sure, you know, we put this podcast out. I have a website. I'm going to post some of your songs. I found some of it on YouTube and, and Spotify so people can um, listen to your music. Yeah, it's, it's I don't great know music. Spotify, but, oh, you know what I did before? Um, I, I, well, I was looking, for, I was on YouTube and because I, I was, I was looking at a link. And then uh, suddenly these people came on. And do you know about uh, Matt and Savannah Shaw? No, I, I can't say Father, that. Either, and I will send you it, it to you. It, it, okay. It, they, it, 
or you can go on YouTube and it's mm-hmm. Matt M A T one T and Savannah with two N's. Show. Okay, make a note of that now. Matt and okay. Savannah Show. Shaw, yeah, mm-hmm. and she, he, I think he's thirty-eight. He's her father, and she's fifteen. Oh wow! Now he's he's a father of four children. I'm very happily married, but it is a little creepy. But but it is so beautiful. They sing the prayer. I mean, get out your handkerchiefs. Mm. It's so moving and so strong and so necessary. Everybody should just spend an hour every day hearing them sing this because we got to get it into our heads. Mm. Okay. I'll, I'll make sure I look up for that. Yeah, Help us. Sure. Yeah. What inspired you to sing? Just, um, was it a I natural a, thing? Well, yeah, it was natural, but... um Oh, I never wanted to make a career of it. And um, after I had, uh, I didn't, I didn't have my son Alec until I was just a few weeks shy of thirty years old. Hmm. It was my first baby, and my my husband and I had just come back from homesteading in Maine, and we were living in New Hope, Pennsylvania. And uh, uh, we we moved. God, this is so complicated. All right, we were living in Maine. We homesteaded in Maine, and uh, we lived in a summer house where you could see lights through the cracks in the board, in the mm. boards of the house. There was no insulation. There was a wood cook stove and a pump. A cold water pump in in, mm-hmm. in the kitchen. That was it, mm-hmm. and an outhouse. So we did that for like two years through the winter and everything, and and then um, my mom was in France and she was getting older and and we had finally convinced her to sell the house in France and that we would move her to the Canary Islands. So. So it was January thaw. I felt that I was pregnant, and we packed up in a January thaw. I rode down the wrong side of the road in a fog for about five miles, mm. and we finally found a motel. And we stopped on the way of town, out of town, you know, going back to New Hope, and then we were going to go to the Canary Islands, France, and then the Canary Islands. And so we, we finally, through the fog lights, we saw a motel sign and we stopped. Because mm-hmm. my husband was in the pickup truck with all our belongings behind me. Mm-hmm. And he had, for my birthday, bought me a 1950 cat, uh, a Pontiac Silver Streak. Mm-hmm. Well, the Pontiac Silver Streak, I mean, this was 1976. Okay. Uh, the Pontiac Silver, Silver Streak, uh, my husband gave it to me for my birthday. And, and I thought, well, this, it doesn't really have much get up and go, does it? You know, mm-hmm. in the back roads in Spain. We hit the highway. Well, I had named my car Montez because he just looked like a Montez. And I hit the highway and I could not keep Montez under 80 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Montez was a highway car. Right. And I 
I didn't know. Anyway, so we finally got to the motel, and we pulled over, and uh, and I opened. I had we stopped at the post office on the way out of town, went ma- mail from my mom and from France, mm-hmm. and I opened the letter, and it said, "I've changed my mind." So we had decamped from Maine, thinking we're going to the Canary Islands, but the whole scene has changed. So anyway, I was pregnant, and Mm -hmm. I had a son, and I grew so strong from having him. He, He gave me, he gave me so much, and I sat down, uh, I had a piano that, uh, a little Steinway that my uh, in-laws had. And I sat down and I knew enough, uh, I knew how chord symbols worked. Mm-hmm. So I, I sat down at the piano. Within a week, I could read all chord symbols. Mm-hmm. In the root position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never really progressed far beyond that. But that gave me the ability to put everything in my key because my voice was lower than soprano key. Right. So I was always a fourth down. Mm. Mm. And I, so that gave me the, I did this all within a week. It gave me the ability to transpose standards into my key. Mm. So I could feel comfortable. Now, I've gone down like another fourth, so I mean, I I I can sing things in the, in the original key and oh, knock it down at least. Right, right. Yeah, but that was it, and and it was it was it was I say it was my son because going through the process of 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 taking care of him and eating right and going off the pill for over a year and you know just making sure that my body was clean and everything and and I was just really strong mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. really strong really in a good place and I said listen if, you know if I if I can give birth to this baby I, there's a whole lot I can do that I didn't think I could mm-hmm. 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 you know so I think you really you know you really I think one of the one of the most important things in life is being aware enough where you you find you find inspiration mm-hmm. and you recognize it and you write it down so you don't forget about it. You write down the circumstances and and you just you know if 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 you're insecure, you build on it from there. Mm. Yeah, I mean, even if you're a professional, you build on it. My, Phil Woods, my stepfather, never stopped learning. And my grandmother, who lived to almost 98, would always say, you're never too old to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And And so... I don't know. Uh, it's it just. I, I don't know. Listen, I don't know anything. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I I just know what I know, but you yeah, know, well, I don't know. You know. Sounds like and, you know quite a bit right now. 
I keep my ears open. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm afraid to go to sleep. Who knows <laughs> what could happen? <laughs> well, you should continue to sing. I mean, this being Charlie Parker's centennial year, I know we're having trouble with this virus and everything is slowing every a lot down. But yeah. if you got together with the piano player and did a couple of videos or Facebook or live yeah, see, I'm, things. I, I, I'm not that, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I know, I could do it, but I, I mean, I'm not technological at all, it's, I'm like a loser, and, and, uh, oh, but I'm a loser, oh, maybe well, I could be foil. You're a winner, <laughs> well, you're a winner, and, and, and everything you've just said is, 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 proves that um, and again I'm going to put some of your music out there for people to hear because it's you, you really you have a wonderful voice and it's and it's and you can tell it's it's a natural thing um, some people you can hear some things that sound rather learned um, not that it sounds bad I mean the learned stuff that I'm talking about but as I listen to your music I can just it it it's it it sounds wonderful and natural, very much like your father's, Jolly Parker and, and Phil Woods. It, oh, you no, can, now you're getting carried away. No, I am not. It, I'm, <laughs> it sounds very natural that it's coming from you. It is and, natural. I can't fake it. Yeah, it doesn't sound... It sounds like you're very much connected to what you're singing. Let's talk about sax. That's the first of the trilogy I have for uh, Kim Parker. A lot of fun talking to her. She's a she's a legend. She is. Uh, we're fortunate to have her and to have the information that she can share with us about her father's Charlie Parker. And Phil Woods, two of the greatest alto saxophonists to come out of this country. We're going to continue with Kim next week, the second part of the trilogy. Come on, come on. Let's talk about sax. Again, my name is Jeff Robinson. Let's talk about sax.com is our website. I'd like to thank Reactor Productions for this theme song. I'd like to thank Joe Stewart for sound reconstruction, anchor for distribution of the podcast. Levitate Web Solutions for production of the podcast. Again, let's talk about sax.com is our website. Next week, more of Kim Parker. We'll see you next week, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about sax. <laughs>